Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara and welcome to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. Nancy Pelosi has represented San Francisco in Congress since before I was even born. And everyone knows who she is. She's a leader of the Democratic Party, Speaker of the House, and Republicans' most favorite punching bag. First, Nancy Pelosi said she'd raise taxes. Now, she's coming for whatever you've got left to help pay for trillions in... Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, they run Washington completely. A rubber stamp for Nancy Pelosi's disastrous economic... On Friday, Pelosi announced plans to run to represent San Francisco in Congress for a 20th term. And it's coming at a time when lots of people want to see some fresh, new leadership in politics. Today, the local and national impact of Pelosi's decision to run again. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Marisa, I know people have been speculating about whether Nancy Pelosi would retire, as we were just talking about. She's 83 years old. What did she say about why she's staying in the game? I would say she sort of couched this in both local and kind of national terms. Marisa Lagos is a political correspondent for KQED and co-host of the Political Breakdown podcast. She talked about San Francisco values and her desire to kind of help 
the city with the big challenges it's facing around the fentanyl crisis, around homelessness and housing. But then she also gave a nod to the kind of bigger forces at play here, democracy being at risk, um, really wanting to, I think, help, you know, Democrats win not just the House back, but keep the White House in 2024. You know, she spoke on MSNBC pretty soon after making this announcement. So I am motivated to do everything I can to win this election. I think it's urgent for our democracy, for our, our relationships worldwide, and more importantly, for every kitchen table discussion in our country about America's working families. So that's sort of what she says officially, but what's your sort of take on it? Why is she really running again right now? You know, Erica, I've tried to get inside Nancy Pelosi's head, and I think I have some ideas just from talking to folks around her. I think one is that she is still on top of her game. When you compare the way she's operating to somebody, you know, like Dianne Feinstein, who's had so much attention on her health, Pelosi has had, as far as we know, zero health problems. She's super sharp. I think she's kind of enjoying herself, right? She's been a little bit unshackled now that she's not the leader of the Democratic uh, caucus. She can kind of speak her mind, and and I think probably it's an easier and more fun job. It's probably also really hard to step back and take yourself out of being in the mix and being so relevant, right? She's been doing this for basically most of my lifetime, and I think that that's a hard thing to give up. Um, And then I do think that there's a lot of truth to this idea that she feels like this is a moment where she's needed. If you see the actions of the Republicans in Congress, you know that we have to win the election. You see this kind of similar vibe between her and Joe Biden, which is I think they see Donald Trump and the current Republican Party as such a threat. I think they feel like this is not the time for somebody with that level of experience, fundraising prowess, all those things to kind of disappear. I don't want to see any underutilized resources, any wasted time or any regrets the day after the election that we all didn't do everything in our power to protect and defend, to make sure that our flag is still there. I also think that to some extent, the attack on her husband, that horrible attack on Paul Pelosi, kind of strengthened her resolve as well and made her want to stay in the game. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you about that because I remember seeing that and thinking like, geez, like why would anyone of her stature want to remain in the spotlight after something like that? Right. I mean, any attack would have been horrific, but this man broke into their home in the middle of the night looking for her. And and I agree with you. I think normal people <laughs> would say, oh, maybe I'm done. Um, politicians aren't normal people. Let's be real. Right. And I think and I do think for her, she has this history of being this punching bag for the right. And the way she's always handled it is not to kind of shrink back from that. It's to kind of rise to that occasion. It made her feel like, no, I'm not going to back down. Like, I'm not going to be bullied. I think as a woman of her age and generation and all the barriers she's broken, like you can see how she's often sort of run towards a challenge. And I think that this sort of tracks with that. And I mean, she's probably going to win again, right? I mean, she won with 84 percent of the vote last time. So I'm guessing it'll be a walk in the park. Well, let's talk about the local reaction to this news, Marisa. How would you characterize 
the general mood around Nancy Pelosi's decision to run for Congress again? I think among the general public, it's a kind of mixed bag. I do think people are seeing her in the context of the Dianne Feinstein and Mitch McConnell's and Joe Biden's of the world who, you know, polls show people feel like it's time for them to move on. And so when you talk about a new generation of leadership, even if Pelosi is super energetic, I think it's hard for a lot of people, especially on the younger side, to not see this as just another delay of this long, drawn out changing of the guards. She promised in 2018 that she would step aside as leader. So this is not like a new conversation. So I think what I'm hearing kind of in the more general public is some frustration. That said, again, I think most of those people will still vote for her come next November. Well, what about the political class? How are people reacting locally to Pelosi's decision to run again? So publicly, almost universally positive. I actually went um, on Friday to an Emily's List lunch. This is a progressive women's group that helps fundraise and kind of seed campaigns. And I talked to Latifa Simon, who is currently a BART board member and is running for Barbara Lee's seat in Congress. You know, I'm going to be in Congress soon. And I need the Maxine Waters, the Representative Clyburns, the Nancy Pelosi's. Who is going to lead us in this next stage of battling to get some of the most basic rights for women back? So security is on the line, the attack of trans kids. Latifah's, you know, in her 40s, young black woman, um, I think sort of part of this new generation of leadership and super progressive. And she, I think it's fair to say, seemed pretty stoked. What a thrill to be able to be a phone call away, a couple of desks away from women who have fought and won huge victories for families. It's exciting and it would be an honor. Did anyone voice concern publicly about Pelosi's decision to run again? So I think, again, a lot of people are not eager to kind of say anything very publicly negative about Pelosi. I did, however, talk to Amy Allison. Um, she runs She the People, which is really dedicated to get women of color specifically into public office. For those of us who want to see a new generation of leaders, it's hard. Amy was circumspect. It's not as if she was negative per se, but she did call it kind of disappointing, you know, talking about the desire to see this handing of the baton. We do need a new generation of leadership that looks like who lives in California and the country. And that's going to require people in their 80s um, to make space. And I'm not saying anything. She probably speaks for a lot of people who, again, are not mad at Pelosi specifically, but are just frustrated by the broader political landscape right now. We can't have in, in, in San Francisco or the Bay Area or anywhere in California, frankly, um, we can't have the kind of um, generational leadership that continues on and on. Not only is it not possible, but it's not a winning formula. So what I hope... Well, I know that in the meantime, there are some people who are sort of left waiting in the wings, uh, maybe waiting for Pelosi to retire so that they could get their chance. So who are some of the younger folks locally who have been eyeing her seat? 
Yeah, I would say the two names that come up are State Senator Scott Weiner from San Francisco, previous member of the Board of Supervisors, has been a big leader on transit and transportation and housing and LGBT issues in Sacramento. He has made very clear that he does intend to run um, when Pelosi steps down and did say immediately on Friday that since she is running again, he'll run for his seat again uh, in the state Senate. The other big name is one that you might find familiar, Christine Pelosi, uh, one of Nancy Pelosi's children. Uh, she's an activist in local Democratic politics, has been really out there um, on the Me Too movement. And she's served on the Democratic Party here locally uh, for many years as a lawyer. Um, and I think obviously is hopeful that her name might give her a little bit of a leg up. What's fascinating to me is the kind of political dominoes, Game of Thrones, however you want to call it, that any sort of seat like this would create. So if Scott Weiner ran for Congress, Assemblymember Matt Haney is thought to want to run for his Senate seat. San Francisco Supervisor Raphael Mandelman is thought to want to run for Haney's seat. So you have, I think, her decision impacting not just the folks that are eyeing that congressional district, but everybody else who's kind of waiting to see this stuff open up. And I think that that's why we've seen in San Francisco in recent years some really brutal kind of Democrat on Democrat races. It's because in some ways a lot of these seats have not been open in so long. These folks have been waiting already and this just delays it even further. I mean, this question of whether it's time. Pelosi has been in office for more than 35 years. I mean, is that too long for someone to be in office? It's a good question. I was six when she was first elected to Congress. Wow. I now have two children older than that. So, you know, it, it's it's been a minute. It's a long time. I, and I think that this is why you do hear some conversations about the question of, you know, age limits or some sort of term limits in Congress. But I do think that it's an open question. And I think a lot of people are looking at somebody like her and wondering that same thing and kind of asking not just is it time for a new leadership, but like, can people be effective after that long in office? But I have never seen a legitimate attempt in my time covering politics the last couple of decades to actually rein that in or do anything about it, right? I feel like we're talking about it now, but I haven't seen anything concrete to actually sort of start that process. Marisa, Nancy Pelosi is this very national figure, but she has also represented San Francisco all this time. What are some of the big political wins of her career that have been felt here in the Bay and in San Francisco in particular? Like, what's her local impact been over the years? I mean, I will start with one that's national but impacts all of us, which is the Affordable Care Act. That really was her crowning legislative achievement. Obviously, President Obama and Vice President Joe Biden deserve a lot of credit for that, but she really shepherded that through the Congress. But on the local level, I would say it's the cheddar, baby. I mean, she brings home. <laughs> the money for the Bay Area. You know, if you look at our big infrastructure projects, transit, all of that sort of thing um, has been a big player. I think the most visible and sort of concrete thing you can look at is the Presidio. 
That would not exist as a national park if it were not for Nancy Pelosi. The federal government wanted to essentially sell it off to developers. And she stepped in and brokered this deal that said, look, it'll become a national park, but it has to become self-sufficient. As you probably know, if you've been to the tunnel top parks, like it has continued to grow and really is one of the city's crown jewels. And then looking back in time, and I think this is something people in our generation might not even know or have forgotten, is what a leader she was around the AIDS HIV crisis. Um, When she got to Congress, this was not an issue that most people in Washington, D.C. wanted to talk about. And despite her kind of Catholic background and the fact that she's this like comes off to some people as so like establishment, she was a real leader in that and was very vocal from the minute she got to D.C. Um, And so I do think that the LGBT community still really looks at her as a trailblazer. I mean, I do think it is interesting that she was sort of this trailblazer when she first entered Congress, but now she really is sort of seen as someone who is very much part of the establishment. She is part of the establishment. Like, you can't deny that, regardless of whether she's a pretty progressive member of the establishment or not. So I do think there's times that she is not always in lockstep with the pulse of the city, per se. I mean, clearly she's part of the establishment that has presided over the city for the past few decades, as a lot of the problems she's talking about trying to solve have gotten worse. That said, I think until this term, she's kind of had the luxury of staying out of a lot of local issues. Not that she hasn't been involved, again, behind closed doors, but you have not seen her out there being a pundit on a lot of the San Francisco debates over the past couple decades. I think that's probably largely because of her role as speaker and minority leader. You know, when you are representing a caucus of over 200 people from very diverse districts, you don't get to be the San Francisco liberal all the time, right? Like you have to kind of look at things through the lens of how do I keep this group together? How do we win? It's been kind of interesting to see her over the past year get a little more involved, be a little more willing to weigh in on some of the local stuff. I mean, there's certainly critics of her and her wealth and the money her husband has made and questions about that. But I do think a lot of those questions have been raised by people who already don't agree with her politically. How do you think having a representative who is this like big national figure. How do, how do you think that's different from having a, a congressperson to represent you who's maybe like not as well known? I mean, I feel like no one really thinks of her as like just this representative from San Francisco, right? Like she's Nancy Pelosi. Like not everyone has a congressperson to represent them who's as famous as her. No, thank God, because there's 435 of them, right? So <laughs> we don't have time to talk. Um, I think... In ways probably unseen to most of us, it matters. Even when Pelosi is not in the majority, I mean, Joe Biden's going to take her phone call. She has a lot of power and just the longevity that exists when you're in Washington for that long and you know the people at the agencies and you know who to call um, and you have seniority within your caucus. Certainly when... Nancy Pelosi steps down, it's going to change the dynamic for San Francisco. 
there is a changing of the guard happening and there's going to be ways that that's probably super great and exciting for people and there might be ways that it makes things a little more challenging to advocate for resources or for power on committees. We are going to be in the next, let's say five years, entering a place where we have two fairly junior senators from California and a lot of turnover within the congressional delegation. So it'll be fascinating to watch. Marisa, thank you. My pleasure. That was Marisa Lagos, a political correspondent for KQED and co-host of the Political Breakdown podcast, which you can find wherever you are listening to The Bay. This 25-minute conversation with Marisa was cut down and edited by senior editor Alan Montecilio. I produced this one, scored it, and added all the tape. If you liked this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. Word of mouth is one of the best ways that you can help our show grow. Thank you so much for listening to The Bay, a production of KQED in San Francisco. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Peace. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 